Father, thank you for this great morning and what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. There's something about that name even when we just utter the name Jesus. Thank you for meeting in this place. And Lord, I pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that um, as we walk into this room, believers who are dwelled with the Spirit, that we would sense your presence this morning and your power this morning, and that you would awaken us to the truth of your word. We are eager and anticipate hearing from you, and we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Thanks for being here this morning, and thanks for those of you who are joining us online and those who are joining us in Traditions and at Kindred. We are celebrating, you know, at Kindred last week they had almost 100 people. Isn't that awesome? Thank you for that. I also need to let you know that last week after I was done preaching, I was uh, greatly offended. Uh, somebody came up to me uh, from the tradition service and see traditions meets our second hour, so they watch what's recorded our first hour. And they told me that during the entire message, all they could see was a G over my shoulder for the greatest football team to ever exist, and they were thankful for that. And I said, I didn't know you were a Georgia fan, but that's great. And if we're not careful, I said, we're gonna change it to Bather, Bro, and Bo. Really, I wasn't offended, I thought it was funny. Started the series last week, Gather, Grow, Go, and it's based on Acts 2, 42 through 45, is what we looked at last week. It goes all the way through verse 47. And the people of the early church, if you remember last week we looked at that gather, the people of the early church gathered to experience the presence of God. They gathered to experience authentic fellowship. And the amazing thing is, is that they knew their purpose of being together. And it was to devote themselves, if you remember the scripture, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. If you need a Bible, by the way, slip a hand up. We've got ushers, they'd love to get one in your hands. You can borrow it this morning if you need to keep it take it home with you. It's amazing, every week somebody takes a Bible home and we're excited about that. But as the church gathered, they experienced the presence of God in their midst. And in doing so, their attention was drawn towards God. Their, their attention was directed towards God. And they were together, the scripture says, and they had everything in common. They were generous and they were willing to, to sell their possessions and property to help anyone who was in need that was a part of the body. Let me paint a picture of the early church so we can better understand verse 46 that we're looking at this morning. The early church pursued unity. Their rallying point was Jesus. That's what they got really excited about. And they shared in common passion and excitement. They all longed to see thousands of people come to Christ. They all love to worship regardless of the style. They all love to learn regardless of the speaker. They all love to, to give regardless of their economic status. They all love to serve. They were completely unified. And I want you just to kind of try and get your mind around the early church and what it was like. I would love to meet the leader of that church who was able to get all those people on the same page at the same time. And we have met him. There are so many issues that are dividing the church today and not unifying it. 
No wonder the scripture says that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And disunity in the church today is the result of many people fixing their eyes on things that we think are important. And we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. Growing in our walk with Christ today, we talked last week we talked about gathering, today we're talking about growing in our walk with Christ. It involves two things that I wanna share with you this morning out of verse 46. And the first one is this, consistency. First part of verse 46 says this, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. And, and the temple courts suggest a large group gathering, probably in reference to what we looked at in verse 42, which says the apostles teaching, as is mentioned there. The Christians in the early church, they were not satisfied with a once a week worship service. They met every single day. I want you to just imagine that. Every day, they had church. They made their time with God and with each other a high priority. God had become such an integral part of their everyday life, you couldn't keep them apart. God was such a high priority, he took precedence over everything else in life. I want you just to imagine for a minute a daily worship gathering. They couldn't wait to get together. They couldn't wait to be with one another. I love to gather for fellowship and for worship. I celebrate that our church is alive. I celebrate the fact that people want to be here. Maybe you heard the story about uh, the person who was kind of in the back section that had a heart attack and someone called an ambulance. And the story goes that the ambulance came and they had to remove three rows of people that they thought were dead before they got to the person who had the heart attack. I love our church and I love the fact that we, we long to gather and that, that, that we are alive and we, we long to anticipate the Lord's presence. But not only did they worship daily, but they also searched the scriptures daily. They cared for people daily. They evangelized daily. They were the church every single day. Sunday is our primary day of worship. It's the day that we set aside to gather as the body, to gather as the church, but with all of the pressures of work, responsibilities, kids' activities, lack of sleep, even our one day a week has gotten crowded. But the fellowship of believers in the early church, it was their driving passion. They knew that in order to grow, in order to go deeper in their walk with Jesus, it could not be done effectively on their own. So they made their time together a priority, admitting their need for one another. I imagine there were days back then that people just didn't feel like going to the temple courts. But they hungered for God and his presence so deeply that they couldn't wait to get together with other believers. One very key element of our spiritual growth is disciplined consistency. They didn't meet every day in the temple courts just to be seen so other people would see them and check the box, oh yeah, so-and-so was here. They didn't meet in the temple courts every single day to socialize or to critique or to hear their favorite worship song 
These people gathered because they needed each other. And they needed God. And they knew it. There was a strong sense of excitement to be there. No one wanted to miss. How else can we explain the fact that they met every day in the temple courts? Church, as we know, you've heard me say, church is not about going through the motions. It's about taking time out of our schedules to satisfy the hunger. Two, two different kinds of hunger. Hunger that is, in one way, has weakened throughout the week, and another way that has increased throughout the week. It's about quenching our spiritual thirst. It's about being in his presence. It's about exposing our deep, most intimate thoughts about God through worship. It's about fulfilling a passion that cannot be fulfilled anywhere else. Is that what this church is for you? That's what the early church is all about. They wanted to grow so badly, they saw the need for consistency. It's not about a place. Someone might say, I go to Bethel Church. And I go to church implies that it's a place or a building. Yes, but it's bigger than that. It's you and it's me. Instead of I go to church, it's this idea I am the church. I just happen to worship at Bethel. Spiritual growth requires consistency. Consistently in the word, consistency in worship, consistency in fellowship, consistency in gathering. And secondly, there's another part in its community. It's the second part of verse 46. It goes on and says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And because of this, this outpoint of the spirit of God on these people, they stayed longer in Jerusalem. I want you to get this picture. They stayed there longer in Jerusalem than maybe they had originally intended, not wanting to miss anything that God was doing in their midst. So what did they do? Since they were there, since they were experiencing God, they didn't want to leave, they stayed longer. There's nothing like being a part of a smaller community to celebrate Jesus with other people. There's nothing like worshiping God with others who long to do the same thing. There's nothing like digging into God's word with other people who want to dig into God's word. There's nothing like being in the presence of others who long for the same, hope for the same, strive for the same. That is to bring God glory for which we were created to do in the first place. There's nothing like it. But why meet in homes and not just in the temple courts? Was it, I mean, my goodness, they were meeting every single day. It seems like a little obsessive to go beyond that. Some would assume, I want you to get the picture here, that, that some would assume that these new Jewish converts, so get the picture already, the Jews were God's chosen people, right? So this massive group of people. Well, out of that group, remember, they're waiting for their Messiah to come. They're waiting for their Savior to come. Out of that group, after Jesus had come, some of them believed that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. And some of the Jews actually gave their lives to Christ. They're believers in Jesus. But those people, 
would have separated themselves from the unbelieving Jews and their religion. That's what some people would think they would do. That's what some people would assume would happen. And the reason they didn't is because these new believers, these Jewish converts that believed in Jesus, though they were Jews, saw Jesus' message and his resurrection as the fulfillment. And at first, the believing Jews continued to attend the synagogue and temple for worshiping and teaching. They continued to meet with the other Jews every single day. But their new belief in Jesus was creating tension with the Jews who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Are you getting the picture? Massive group of people, some people come to Christ, they continue to meet with them, they didn't give up on them. So guess what happened? The believing Jews started meeting in homes for communion and for prayer and to talk about Jesus because this tension was beginning to build. And it went on for a time, they would meet in the temple court for the Old Testament teaching and then they would go to their homes to talk about Jesus. And that all ceased by the end of the first century when many of the believing Jews were excommunicated from the synagogues, no longer welcomed. Meaning the Jews who now believed in Jesus as Messiah were kicked out and no longer welcome in the temple courts or the synagogue. So not only did they see the need to gather daily in the temple courts, but they also valued community. They gathered publicly in masses to worship and then they, then they ate together and they gathered in smaller groups in homes and they did life together. Like our church, they had large gatherings and they had small gatherings, right? Some more public, others more personal. Their vision was simple, to grow in their faith. Listen, vision was simple for them to grow in their faith and reach as many people for Jesus as they possibly could. Well, that kind of just sums things up. It was their smaller home groups that allowed them to remain intimate in community with just a few. They would gather, they would challenge each other, they would encourage one another, they prayed, they shared together. Here's, here's the beauty of it, they did life together. Let me ask you something. If you're a believer and you're a follower of Christ, so we, last week we talked about gathering, this morning we're talking about growing in our relationship with Christ. And we've talked about that it takes consistency, right? And now we're talking about that it takes community. And I'm, I'm describing that community as the fact that we're doing life with other people that, that believe in Jesus, that are walking that journey. So the question I would have for you is, are you doing life with someone? So we're talking beyond the, the consistency, we're talking about community. Are you in some kind of community that you are doing life with other believers in Christ? And it says with gladness and singleness of heart. And that's a true picture of genuine Christian fellowship, right? They were full of gladness. They were full of spiritual joy and happiness. And they shared in this, this singleness of heart. They resonated together. Joy is this repeated theme in the book of Acts. 
And I don't know about you, but as a believer, I don't, I'm not always filled with joy. I'm not always happy. Are you? But it's this theme that's linked directly to the early church and this idea of community. If someone were to ask, how would you describe the early church? The first answer probably would be joy. That would be a word that we would use, joy. They were marked by joy. So if you knew about the early church and you lived back then, someone might say, well, tell me about the early church. Man, they're just, they're just filled with joy. I wonder if that would be a characteristic used today for the church, for the American church. Joy is repeated, it's a repeated theme in the book of Acts. It's, a clear, it's clear in scripture that, that wherever the gospel went, it always brought joy to those who believed. There's a theme of joy in the book of Acts and I want you to hear it. I wanna share several scripture references in the book of Acts and I want you to listen for the word joy or some form of joy. Chapter five, verse 41 says this, the apostles left the Sanhedrin. So in other words, they were under accusation. I want you to hear what this says. The apostles, they left this Sanhedrin rejoicing, hear this now, because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. Imagine uh, as a believer that you walk away from a situation where you're being criticized or condemned for your faith because you believe in Jesus and you're able to walk away and you're able to say, I, I, I count it worthy of suffering because of the name of Jesus. Uh, chapter eight, verse eight, it says this, so there was great joy in that city. Verse 39, same chapter. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the church, the eunuch, did not see him again but went on his way rejoicing. Chapter 11, verse 23. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Chapter 12, verse 14. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed and she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Chapter 13, verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Chapter 13, verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14, verse 17, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Chapter 15, verse three, the church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. Chapter 15, verse 31, the people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Chapter 16, verse 34, the jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household the early church was marked by joy. 
And as a result, all of that God was doing in their midst, people couldn't keep their mouths shut. They praised God and while doing so, enjoyed the favor of all people. We have learned that to grow in our walk with Jesus, it takes consistency and it takes community. You probably know someone who is strong in their faith. You probably know someone who's been walking with Jesus for a very long time. And if you were to go to them and say, tell me the secret, tell me uh, about your life, and they might say, well, here's a pro tip for you. Be consistent. Be in a community. Those two things are absolutely a necessity if you wanna walk and go deeper with Christ. So what about us? What about Bethel Church? The place I go to worship, the place you go to worship. At this time, I wanna invite Pastor Craig uh, to join me on stage and talk about this idea of growing. Pastor Craig is, is our disciple-making pastor here, and I didn't, thought that there would be nobody better than to maybe ask him a few questions about what does that mean for us as a body? What does that mean for us as a community? So, Pastor Craig, thanks for joining me this morning. My pleasure. So let me ask you some familiar questions. <laughs> I always start with the question of why, because I think that we have to address the why question in anything that we do, right? So why? Why is it even a big deal? Why do we even talk about growing in our faith with Christ? Yeah, and I appreciate everything you've said, and some of it will kind of um, dovetail with it. But I, I think about the New Testament, especially Jesus and Paul, and they talk about uh, human analogies that point to spiritual realities. And the word grow is, is one of those. And if you remember, maybe when you were a child, your parents would take you to the doctor regularly for well baby checkups. And you might go, or if you're a parent, you might do this with your own child. You'd get measured on percentiles, height and weight, all those different things. I had a, I had a really big head when I was a little, I probably had 110 percentile in my head. But that's the kind of things we do physically. And that points us to the spiritual realm as well. Growth is normal and healthy for us as believers. So part of the question of why is, hey, that's normally what we do. It was a problem when you went to the doctor and you were told you were on the 20th percentile or you weren't thriving in a certain way and the doctors were concerned. In the same way in our spiritual life, uh, we need to grow spiritually, uh, individually. God's made us to grow. In fact, Jesus grew. It says in Luke, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Even, even the one who's fully God grew. So it's normal to grow individually, but also it's normal to grow in community. You've been talking about community already. It's normal and healthy. God made our bodies again with different parts, brain, feet, eyes, hands, and all those parts need to grow together. Uh, but uh, as a body, we need to grow together as well. There's a great verse that Paul has in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to insert, insert our name here. Now you, Bethel Church, are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So we're Christ's local expression of the body here in Fargo-Moorhead. We are a body together. And that you can't get any closer in community than to be connected with one another in a body. Paul says we're to grow up 
into every way into him who is Christ. So when I'm not growing individually, when Andy's not growing individually, but when we're not growing also as a community, uh, we suffer. That's not normal and that's not healthy. Uh, a pastor who pastored during World War II, in fact died during World War II, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, sin demands to have a man by himself. It would, withdraws him from community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. So kind of to wrap that up, spiritual growth in community is natural and it protects us as a community from spiritual harm. The stronger we are as a community, the more we'll grow together. So that's kind of the why answer. Yeah, so a lot of times as a church we'll say, hey, you need to grow in your relationship with Christ, or you know, what does it actually even mean? What does that mean to grow in our relationship with Christ? We've talked, we have a disciple-making council, and we've talked about that a lot over the last few years. And we've kind of come to this one verse in scripture that really describes the what. Matthew 4:19. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And so he's talking to the disciples, but he's talking to all of us because all of us are a disciple. We're all, what that means is a follower, a follower of Jesus. And a disciple who is one who follows Jesus, is changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. What's, what's our mission here? We've talked about it over the last few years. Love, say it with me, love God, love others, and serve the world. That was really weak. It was, but... Not you, I, I just, I couldn't you, hear anybody. You, you get more out of them than I do, usually. Let's try it again. <laughs> love God, God love, love others, others serve, serve the, the world. world. All right. So a disciple is one who's following, who's being changed, who's committed to that mission. And there's a personal aspect of that. We all think about that personally, our own spiritual growth, but there's a relational aspect of that too. We grow together. Uh, this missionary from Sierra alone, uh, I heard him speak a couple years ago and he said this, the gospel flies best on the wings of relationship. So we grow in the gospel and we grow in sharing the gospel together as a community. We grow by entering into relationships with others to help them trust and follow Jesus. We grow by when we see one part suffering we suffer with that part. And I, and I see that all the time here at Bethel. I go to visit someone in the hospital and a number of people who know that person, maybe they're from their small group or have relationships with them, have already been there. When one part rejoices, the other part rejoices with them. And you were talking about that with the New Testament church. They gather together in joy for what they had found in Christ. So spiritual growth is central to our Christian life and our mission here at Bethel. We need to live this out, this what, together as a community. It's really central to everything that we do. Everything else is peripheral to that, to, to us growing together as a community and growing in community together. So that sounds great. So somebody comes into our church and we say, hey, we, we think you should grow, here's the why, and here's the what of what it means to grow. And somebody says, well, how am I supposed to do that? Like, what's the how? Like, how do we, how would we encourage everybody here? Uh, a few years ago, it's probably been two or three years ago, uh, Steve and Sarah in Student Ministries put together an app called Speak Truth. And in that app, there are tracks, and one of those tracks is the grow track. Again, I'm a very simple person, so simple things ring true for me. 
And that GROW track just highlights the four letters of the word GROW. It's an acronym for what are the spiritually foundational things that we all need to do is to grow. And we do these individually as well as together. And the first one is G, go to God daily in prayer. We grow by praying, by talking to God. The second one is R, reading our Bible regularly. So G is us talking to God, R is God talking to us. He's given us his word, and we need to be in that word to hear from God regularly. G-R-O is others. Being with others, spending time with other followers of God. And all these things include that, but specifically the O is we need to consistently, as Andy's already said, be in community with other people. And then the W is witness. Speak, about, speak truth about God to others. So that's, that's one of the hows that we can do that. Think about the word grow, go to God daily in prayer, read his word, spend time with others, and witness to what you believe in Jesus. And we, we do that by not just seeking to find community, but build community. Someone else said Christian community is built, not found. And I hear people say before, well, I'm going to a church, I'm trying to find community. Well, you have to be part of building that community. You have to consistently and intentionally do that by inserting yourself into community. Whether it's another person, whether it's a group of people, whether it's getting involved in a small group. Uh, we have a, a Bethel Church app. I don't know if you've used it before. I can't get it out of my pocket right now. I don't have three hands. But in the app, if you look at the bottom, there's the, a button for connect. And if you kick, click on that, click on get involved, that takes you to groups and you can sign up to show your interest in a small group. And we'll get back to you and let you know what's available. But you can also do that after the service right by the information table. Uh, I or my lovely bride will be there just to help you to do that uh, on an iPad out there as well. Or you can just do that on your comment card. Say I'm interested in a group and we'll follow up with you. But that's really critical. That's one intentional thing that all of us can do is if we're not in community with other people regularly, to do that, to be intentional about doing that. But also, if God has been using you in that way, and you'd like to serve other people in that way, you'd like to help lead a group. We're having a, a new leader training this Wednesday night at 6.30 during Awana. So just let me know or write that on your card as well. Come on Wednesday night and uh, see what it, it, it's involved in helping others to grow and committed together. And you'll be super encouraged by that. You'll get great joy out of that, and those people who come with you will as well. So those are kind of the two practical things I'd encourage you to do. Be intentional about getting in community yourself, and if God is so leading you, uh, get involved in leading others into community too. So I'm gonna go off script a little bit, because uh -oh. I know you love Look at the time. when I do that. I have to go. So uh, we've, we've kind of made a shift here <laughs> with the language of just calling everything groups. So we, you know, we used to have this group and this group and small groups and that, and then we just said, you know, any disciple-making community at Bethel is just gonna be called a group, right? So just groups. Can you guess how many people are involved in some form of group or disciple-making community? It's, it's hard to say because some people are involved in, in more than one. Sure. But if we count men's groups, women's groups, small groups, which are groups that meet in homes, other types of groups. There's, there's a lot of groups here at Bethel where somebody has just started a group and they meet with other guys for core classes, breakfast, yeah, core classes. Yeah. I'd say uh, between five and 600 people at Bethel right now 
are involved in some type of community. And that's just a guess yeah. because we don't have accurate numbers, but that's almost half yeah. of our worship attendance. Yep. yep, that's encouraging. Yeah. And I'd really encourage you, we'd love to see that number grow, not just because we like numbers, but because that makes our community stronger. When you're involved in, in big community here on Sunday mornings and gather, but also in smaller communities to grow, that only makes our church stronger and healthier as a body. So someone, someone might be saying, this is way off script, I'm just, I'm really sorry. Someone out here might be saying, I can't get in a small group. It seems like as, as I shrink the crowd, so to speak, and I get involved with a smaller group of people, like it's more, um, I'm gonna have to know something, or I'm gonna have to know my Bible inside and out, or I'm gonna have to know how to answer questions. I'm gonna have to, that's not true, is it? No. Right. I, I love the analogy from the Old Testament. There's a story about a city under siege, and there's these two beggars who are there thinking, well, we're gonna die in the city or we're gonna die if we go out to the camp. Let's just go out to the camp and see if they've got food. And the camp is completely empty. All the soldiers from the enemy's camp are dead. And these guys are out there feasting and they're thinking, hey, this isn't right. We gotta go back and tell everybody else. And, and I think about spiritual relationships in that way. It's just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. None of us has arrived in the Christian life. We're not pastors because we're better than anyone else. Probably, if you knew us, you'd probably understand that we're worse than you in some ways. But God has called us, and God has called all of us to be in community. So there's no hierarchy there. God wants all of us, whatever we know, uh, to have that hunger for God and to gather together. There was people at, in that situation at Acts who had just trusted Christ right. five minutes before and they're already getting into community with other people. Yep. So it makes no difference where you're at in your spiritual growth. All we want to encourage you to do is take the next step towards Jesus. And one of those great steps is, is being in small community with Yeah, them. in fact, a lot of people, when they join, they start with um, the idea of fellowship. I just want to connect with people, right? Yeah. And then that's usually the starting point, and then they, they grow in their faith as, they're, as they do community with people and learn to do life with one another. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we talked about that on Friday morning at Men's Fraternity, a couple guys at the table I was at with, uh, talking about the, the loneliness of the average man. Men, we don't admit that, but we want to be with other people. But it's like wanting to do that and then taking the step to do that. That's probably the biggest step a man could ever take, to be intentional, to, to allow themselves to be open to others in a group, in a community. Can I pick your tail off that real quick? Yeah. I just keep thinking of things. I'm really sorry. And then we'll be done. Um, there, there was four guys who had come to me at different times and said, hey, um, can, can I meet with you? And as I met with all four of those guys, um, I realized we could do this together. And so I asked all four of those guys, I said, hey, would you consider being in a group together? Yeah, we'd love to do that. So we actually meet at my house uh, on Mondays at 3.30 in the afternoon. We do, we're doing the 33 series, the same as the men's fraternity. And we went all the way through the series, went through all six uh, sessions, and I'm thinking, this has been really good, guys. You know, this is, you know, they've gotten to know each other, we've been able to share, we've been able to whatever. And, um, and so I'm like, well, the class is done. And they're like, oh, when's the next, when are we gonna start the next series? And I'm like, oh, you guys wanna continue. And literally these four guys in six weeks have bonded in a way that they don't wanna give that up. Like, they, they, like we've never had this before. 
We've never connected with people like this. So I was so encouraged by that. And in fact, one of them um, uh, is, he's not very old, but he's going through a re retirement process through one of his uh, jobs. And, he's, and he sends a text out to all of us and says, hey, if you guys want, you can come to my retirement party. And instantly everybody's responding like, I'll be there, I'll be there. And so it's just, man, it's just been so encouraging to see these guys, uh, you know, just be there for one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Pastor Craig's gonna go down and he's gonna lead us in communion here in a second. I wanna leave you with one thing and it's, it's something I've used in different contexts, but here's what I call it. This might be helpful for you. I just call it the rhythm of one. It's just a good way to remember it. When we talk about spiritual growth, um, the rhythm of one says this. It's just a concept. One day, one time a day with God. Morning, during your lunch break, after work, at night, just spend some time praying and reading some scripture. One day a week, what's your Sabbath? One day a month, just take some time. Maybe you can get away for a few hours and, and you're like, yeah, do you know my life? We've got little kids at home. I can't get away for, yeah. And maybe, maybe your spouse, you just take turns with one another and just say, hey, you know, take two hours and, and one day a month, just get away and just reflect and spend some time with God. One day a quarter, Maybe take some time and just evaluate your whole life, you know, priorities and, and what's going on in your life and, and that sort of thing. So that's just an encouragement, rhythm of one. It's one way to um, grow in your relationship with Christ. Pastor Craig? It's such a great transition in this passage because the passage itself says that they were breaking bread together. They were, in a sense, celebrating communion. And that word communion is a, is a compound word, with union. And the very center of that word is being together with one another. And that's why we celebrate communion together on Sunday mornings, because it's a celebration of Christ's life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, a celebration and a remembrance of it together.